Really? I am far from cliche. Hello, I'm Steve Reed, and this is Steve Reed Chats. This mini-series is all about something that I've always been fascinated by and something that really intrigues me. UFOs, the paranormal, and beyond. Subscribe and turn on your notifications to make sure you know when the next episode is ready to listen to. And I have got some amazing special guests through this mini-series that have some great experiences and stories to tell. So let's go ahead and meet the person I'm going to be speaking to on this episode. Usually, I write something of a profound intro for my guests. However, I liked what my guest has written about herself so much. I'm going to start with that. When she isn't alone in a creepy basement talking to herself or looking to the skies for the unknown. She's a musician, horror movie fan, a roller skating queen, and I also think you should add a fan of a perfectly formed rainbow at the end of that. What do you think, Heather? Yeah, I think you're you're correct. I love I love a good perfectly formed rainbow. <laughs> you do. And I'm going to add my bit now. Uh, you would have seen her on Alien Highway, A&E's Paranormal State and Portals to Hell and perhaps at many events she's been invited to relating to the paranormal and alien investigation. Hello, proper hello this time to Heather Taddy. Yay! How's it going? All right, not bad. I like doing the kind of up on the name, so it pretends I've got a studio audience, but there isn't one, is there? (laughs) Some clapping. Add some clapping in there. So those listening on the podcast, uh, yeah, just cheer. Uh, Now, you may have noticed it's not the usual podcast theme you're listening to in the background. This is a clip of a tune by Heather's band, Mannequin. Heather plays guitar. And for the um, for the 20 seconds I saw a clip of her playing the guitar on, on Twitter the other day, she seems pretty good. I love this. Does this song have a name yet? Um, the song that I sent you, it's called Boneyard Graveyard. And I have to confess something. I do know the name of it, but obviously it sounds nice for you to say the name of your tune. I really like it as it kind of fades out there. The, the, <laughs> you, you sent me the email and it said... Bone, here's our tune, Boneyard Graveyard. And then, the, the, you know, the MP3 is kind of labelled and it it was then labelled Boneyard. And I was like, I'm just going to get her to tell me what the name of it is because Boneyard doesn't make any sense at all, but it might be. And you never know with music. So it is Boneyard. Yeah, that was a typo. It's supposed to be Boneyard Graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Boneyard. Okay. Now, uh, if this was a chat show, by the way, you could be playing this out at the end, but uh, you, this isn't a chat show. So we carry on. Uh, later, we will talk about Heather's band, Mannequin, and how you can see them uh, first. Let's unpack the details of that eclectic intro. Now, the job you do, and I only thought of this question last night, actually, is how do you manage to get to sleep at night? Oh, my goodness. Well, (laughs) I certainly have a lot of very uh, fascinating dreams, but um, I don't know. I think I've sort of become desensitized to all of this. You know, I've always been a big horror movie fan and... I've been into the subject of ghosts and aliens since for as long as I can remember, since I was very, very young. So I think I'm just still so fascinated by that, by it, that it doesn't really keep me up at night unless I'm sleeping in a very haunted location, which that does happen. Mm. Well, that's quite good. I can get what you mean by that. Like an emergency worker, they kind of just have to put everything to the back of their mind. Otherwise, you would go mad, wouldn't you? Is Heather Taddy scared of anything? Uh, I'm terrified of snakes. Are you? Uh, I grew up near the woods. This goes back to my childhood. And there were just snakes everywhere. And I don't know. I was just always terrified um, of them to the point where I would, like, check my bed each night for snakes. There's just something about them I just don't. I don't like. They rub me the wrong way. I don't like looking at them. I don't like seeing them. 
And if I have any kind of like nightmare, it's about a giant like python falling through the ceiling and like killing me in my sleep. Do you know that's so ironic because of what you do and where you go? It's not of creepy places. It's, it's of a big snake. I know, snake. yeah. Uh, to be honest yeah, that, that stuff doesn't scare me. But if there's a, yeah. a snake in the corner, I'm I'm out of there. By the way, I love the top that you're wearing. Thank you. That's very lovely. Thank you. You've got kind of frills around the top, and um, I can't quite see. There's a con- like a uh, repeated pattern across. Yeah, so there's a repeated pattern of little tiny flowers and skulls. I have to say, though, you do make the effort, and we'll talk about this a bit more later with Alien Highway, but the episodes I've seen... I like I, I love attention to detail and you're you love a bit of attention to detail by the scenes of it as well because it's always like the little uh the earrings have got a little theme to them and there's always that quirkiness yep. about you and I, I quite like that. So uh I've got some crazy style, that's for sure. Good job. Well, you know, you said that, not not me. So uh, you know, I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna say that. Now, you've probably been asked this many, many times. How did you get into this? Which is a fair question. People like to ask that. But I like to ask this question to you. Why did you get into looking into the paranormal and the unknown? And also, have you not been scared off yet from doing this? Thinking that's enough. I've had enough now. I've seen enough. I mean, I got into this field because to me, the two most important questions you can ask yourself is, is there life on other planets? And what happens to us when we die? So I think I've always just been intrigued by ghost stories. And I always wanted to put myself in a situation where I could have those experiences. So it goes back to being young, being a teenager. And I was literally that girl that would take a group of my friends, go to a haunted, rumored to be haunted, abandoned building, pretty much break into the building. I'd have a Ouija board in one hand and a video camera in the other. And my sole purpose would be to try to communicate with whatever may be there and catch evidence. Like I, and I was so brave, like since I was young, when it came to this subject that I just threw myself into these situations. And then when I went to college at Penn State, I joined a paranormal club that was backed by the university. They threw this huge paranormal conference with lectures and famous legends in the paranormal world. And at that time, you know, early 2000s, this wasn't happening anywhere else. So I was really intrigued by that. I joined the club to be a field investigator. And then this TV show came about. So uh, it all kind of like fell into place for me. But, you know, people that knew me when I was young and they're like, oh, what's Heather up to these days? It's just like no surprise because I was always that wild girl that was just in it for the thrill of it. I love the fact you turn up at places not knowing what you're going to find with a Ouija board, but going around your friend's house that happened to get a new pet snake. (laughs) I'm not going near there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really funny because I remember during the early paranormal state days, in college, we would stay at the clients' houses. And I always remember thinking, if they have a pet snake, I'm not going to stay there. <laughs> we never ran into that problem, so. Okay. Now, I know you from Alien Highway, as I mentioned. I've, do you know, I've enjoyed all the episodes. Like a lot of people these days, it's so easy to kind of like binge watch stuff and you want more and more. There was a thing on last <laughs> night somebody told me about on, on Apple TV Plus, And they said, you're going to love it. And I was like watching it until half 12. And I was like, okay, I really need to go to sleep after episode eight now because it's really enough. <laughs> it's too much. But Alien Highway is like that too because you kind of think, okay, I love that little adventure you went on. And the, each episode's a bit different. But the thing, mm-hmm. the thing that I know it's not a comedy, but the thing that makes me laugh about Alien Highway the most 
is for, for those that haven't seen it by the way uh, i'm going to give you a brief kind of a uh, couple of lines of what it's about so there's a former law enforcement officer his name's chuck and he's got a son and they go out together with heather and they go off and investigate reported cases of unusual activity that have otherwise been previously kind of ignored i think is that is that about right about the program pretty much yeah and just areas of the u.s where there's just been an increase in sightings and maybe in the past there was activity as well. And, you know, what's causing it today. And um, yeah, we just, we just talked to ordinary people, cattle ranchers, people that had these sightings and were kind of afraid to come forward. You know, we were there to listen to them and get their story without judging them. And, and Heather is the paranormal investigator, but but getting back to what makes me laugh is, so you've got, you've got these two guys with you, right? And you go in the Uh car uh, it's always a bit fun me uh, laughing at the fact you always get the front seat and the guy in the back always gets to sit in the back that that always makes you laugh you're actually like you're not filming going, can I sit in the front please dad like no Heather you know why that is I get car sick sometimes and <gasps> we were driving for like long amounts of time oh. so that's why I'm in the front. yeah that's what you're telling them yeah okay fun fact we go, we go with that <laughs> But the the other thing that makes me laugh is, I mean, that's very clever if it's not the case. The other thing that makes me laugh is that that (laughs) you're with these two guys. And um, one good example to give people is the episode where you had to go into this, I think it was an old barn or it used to be an old air um, hangar. And it's like a creepy place. And every single episode, this happens. So there's these two guys, and then you'll hear that one of them say, okay, so Heather, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go off somewhere, uh, go and see if there's any, like, footprints or anything, and we'll leave you in there on your own. And it's like, whoa, Heather's just, well done, guys. They're not stupid. Heather's there, and she's like, to be honest, I don't think I should really be in here now, uh, but I am. So just leave you on your own. Hey, I don't have a problem with that. I'm used to it. You know, I think a lot of times when you're alone, especially when you're in haunted houses, I think more more things happen. There's less distractions. So I'm fine with it. But you're right. It is pretty funny that these two like strong cops are just like, <laughs> leaving. you know, and I'm totally the whole time I'm in that airport hangar. I was like, there's a no trespassing sign. I probably shouldn't be in here, but I have to go in because it looks creepy. I know. And, so. there's, and you're saying that you're saying, to be honest, I don't think we should really be in here. And it's quite easy when you're watching programs to forget, obviously, um, a lot of the time you've got a camera person with you as well. Or, and and right. he's, he's probably like, I don't want to be in here because I'm not, I'm not an investigator. Yeah. Uh, what sort of stuff do you use to detect paranormal oh, activity? Yeah, uh, All kinds. So are, are you asking for um, UFO investigations? I, I thought you could say you asking to buy some. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, if you could just give me a list of stuff available on Amazon, that'd be great. <laughs> Got a whole list right here for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So item number five six nine uh, is good. <laughs> that. So now I'm asking for uh, for for kind of a whole overview, really. So let's start with say let's give that barn um, the air shelter, uh, for example. What sort of stuff would you be using? Equipment would you be using to investigate in a place like that? So I always like to have a digital recorder on hand because you never know, like that place could have been haunted you know that that area there was like a there was an accident where 200 people had perished you know right where we were so you never know if i could have reviewed my audio later i could have picked up on something responding to me you know a voice that i couldn't hear when i was there present so that's like one big thing for not only just regular like haunted house investigations but for ufo investigations another really important one is an emf 
detector because in UFO investigations, oftentimes at landing sites and fields where cattle mutilations have occurred, there's like lingering um, electromagnetic energy that's there. So always having one of those on hand is a good idea to just, you know, measure what's around you um, to get a better idea of the picture. But other than that, I mean, we used high powered like military binoculars, which were really cool because you can literally see every little thing in the sky. Uh, that was probably one of my my favorite things um, to use on Alien Highway. Other than that, some things people don't really think about are tools for to take soil samples, because a lot of times at cattle mutilation sites where the cattle is found, the imprint in the ground, the soil sometimes is less soluble than the soil on the outside. So there's like oftentimes a change in nutrients with the soil, which is really weird. So I know an alien highway, I went to a lab with, with some soil samples from one episode. Um, so that's something that's a little different. People kind of don't think about other than that, just like full spectrum cameras. Um, we did a luminol test at a mutilation site to test for blood. Cause oftentimes with these mutilations, it's so bizarre because there's no blood found at the site. And people can't really explain that. I know, right? That um, is so freaky. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, a Geiger counter to measure radiation at landing sites. Um, and then other than that, I would just say that your eyes are your best tool, you know, because mm. you're looking in the sky for lights and binoculars are very important. So, um, but yeah, we used a lot of different things on, on Alien Highway. I'm now picturing, you know, you, you have air hostesses and they've always got their small wheelie trolley with them because they need stuff for a few days. Your wheelie trolley would be so different with the content. <laughs> wheelie trolley. <laughs> you know, yeah, with all your stuff. All kind of stuff the, at the airport, they kind of look at you like, what? Well, you never know. <laughs> you never know, honestly. Now, True. I'm sure. So so is that kind of just before we move on to the next bit, is that... Is that different than to if you're thinking about looking into ufo activity than strange noises and paranormal activity would there be any different sorts of equipment most of the things i listed were more equipment used on ufo investigations as for like you're investigating a haunted house haunted building emf is definitely a big thing um polaroid cameras because you know digital you can alter them polaroid you know you take a picture it's what it is they're they're less easy to alter um let's see just a video camera um infrared camera i feel like there's so much you know spirit boxes are are fun to use What's i don't a really spirit rely. Box? what is that so a spirit box it's like basically an old radio that scans the am and fm spectrum and it's said that that white noise can spirits can use that energy to kind of like speak so a lot of times I've picked up very strange voices, even complete sentences through one of those. Um, and there's all kinds of different kinds There's of, of spirit boxes, but um, they're interesting to use. But again, a lot of that equipment, I don't really rely on it because when it comes to all of this paranormal investigating, whether it's aliens, Bigfoot, ghosts, there's no like valid equipment that it's going to pick you know, there's nothing's proven to pick up a ghost or anything this is all theory so mm. i'd like to always make sure people remember that because a lot of times on investigations when you investigate with new people they're so into all these apps and equipment which is cool but like a lot of times you're missing what's in front of you and you're relying too much on the equipment mm. well it's a bit do you know what that makes so, sense. yeah absolutely and and do you know what i springs to mind when you say that 
is is when you go and see a band or go and see something live now everyone's got their phone out and you're like no i want to really enjoy this moment because it's going to be on youtube somewhere anyway at some point i can watch it on my video but everyone's holding their phones out when you go and see so it's really i hope the world starts to go back to appreciating that enjoying that moment right then and there uh, rather than... I would love it if like we just didn't have cell phones or cell phones were strictly used to just call people and that's it. I'd love to go back to that. So right I know now, that's weird. Most people don't think like that, but I'm just like, Ugh, it's too distracting to me. It would it would make me seem like a bit of a superhero then in this conversation because I'd be right now in a phone booth like Superman. <laughs> Can you call me collect? Try. <laughs> <laughs> trying, really trying, trying to uh, you imagine people like banging on the glass. Are you going to be long, mate? Are you going to be long? <laughs> well, actually, I'm in the middle of a really important like interview. It's going to go around the world. Yeah, I know. Don't matter. I've got to phone my mum. All right, fine. Yeah. So, just give me a minute. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, for that reason, I'm quite glad of uh, video calling and uh, the comfort yeah. of my own home. Quite frankly. <laughs> True, that is nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, we could try a day uh, without mobile. Do you know sometimes I, I get I get what you mean though. Without mobile phones, it would be um, a, a good thing. But technology has been great for us in other ways as well. Now, right. this is like what one thing I've been really looking forward to asking you is, I'm sure you have a lot of stories. So filtering out what what we can use in this today and what you'd like to use, you know, it's probably taking you uh, a while to have a think about because I, I asked you ahead, can you have a think about some stories and some experiences that stick in your mind at where you were, what happened? So yeah, please tell us some. I've got some stories. So one episode we did that was called Missouri Mayhem. We went to Missouri and back in the 70s, there was this incident called the Piedmont Lights where there was this lake called Clearwater Lake and people saw these crafts with red lights on them. No explanation. It was like a huge thing to where people like on a Saturday night would just go on a hill near this lake and just look for these UFOs again. So it was very interesting. And we went there and we gathered recently, we had found out there had been a huge increase in sightings. So we gathered all these people at this town hall just to hear their stories. And we heard so many interesting stories of people that kind of lived like down the street from each other and didn't know each other were seeing these the same crafts, but no one was talking about it with each other. So that was very fascinating. But when we were there, we went to this family's home and they had seen a craft land in their yard, a huge silver craft landed in the yard. They had no idea what it was. And it left this ring in their yard. It almost looked like there was once a swimming pool there. Like there was a ring of grass that was dead. So we initially, you know, we had this photo and we're looking at it and we're like, okay, it looks like they just had a swimming pool and then they took it out, like one of those portable swimming pool things. And when we got there, we realized this was on a hill. Why would anyone put a pool on a hill when they had other flat areas in the yard? So we rolled that out. So we took soil samples around the ring and it was very fascinating because we had out our EMF trifield meter and it was spiking in an unusual way. And around that same time, when our camera guy would get near the edge of the ring, his $70,000 red camera completely reset itself. And he's been in the, the production business for a long time. He's strictly a professional and he had no explanation for why that occurred. Uh, and then right after that, uh, we had a drone flying above us and the drone wouldn't land near the ring. It was like malfunctioning and our drone operator 
I was like, I've never seen this happen before. So, um, and I think you caught at least the camera resetting in the episode, but that was a really interesting, that was like one interesting um, thing that I can remember from that episode. And, and how are you feeling when you're, you're, you're there witnessing, you know, we talked about seeing things live earlier and how are you feeling inside? And, you know, it's sort of thing that would make your hair stand on end. Yeah, I mean, I'm just standing there puzzled being like, what, you know, I, anytime something odd happens, I always try to think of every natural explanation. I go through a list in my head and okay. I couldn't have any natural explanation for that. You know, I asked the camera guy, I was like, does this usually happen? He's like, no, the camera would just never reset like that. Fresh batteries, there's no reason why that should have happened. So there was some kind of electrical interference, which was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, <laughs> you <don't> know. <laughs> cheap sound effects supplied by Heather free of charge. Thanks for that. That's lovely. It's going to that's it's certainly going to improve the sound of the podcast. I think we need more of that. If you want to if you want to throw in any more as we go along, the, woo, okay. like that's fine. I'll think about some more. She's available for kids parties as well. Is Heather. It's lovely. And any more examples, any more stories? Come on, keep them coming. I feel like you could just keep me entertained with these all day. I could. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else can I talk about? Okay. So let's talk about Sedona, Arizona. Um, so in Arizona alone, there's like, I think it's like 300 sightings a year statewide. Mm. And of course there's 20 native American reservations there. And, you know, you ask yourself what makes Arizona such a hotspot for you for UFO activity. There's a place there called Sedona, which is a very new age touristy town. And, it's said that these vortexes there, which is where ley lines intersect, the energy is magnified and it can actually cause these UFOs and it can cause this energy. So we had a lot of really interesting theories um, for that. But while we were there, I saw, we were like on this ridge and right in front of us was this place called Bradshaw Ranch, which is a very unusual place. People have had all kinds of activity happen there. And it used to be in like the 50s, it used to be an old Wild West movie set. And Elvis actually filmed one of his movies there, one of his Westerns there. So that was like a cool little fun fact. But we were there and we were all just looking at the sky. One girl saw like a shadow above a tree, which I didn't see. I was kind of off looking somewhere else. But I did see what looked like it looked just like a planet, a very bright planet. And I saw it for like maybe a minute. And then all of a sudden it just disappeared and there was no clouds. Uh, it literally was just like a huge light and then it disappeared. And I can't explain that it happened so quickly, but you know, there were, there were no airplane pat traffic, uh, flight patterns in that area. And but people see like that stuff all the time. And is it, is it because of the vortexes? Is it, you know, I don't know, but that if you ever get the chance to go to Sedona, it's pretty interesting. And not only that, but the red rocks there uh, are said to harbor some sort of power caused by large amounts of EMF. So you have all those factors combined. It's a pretty interesting place. That's like a wow moment when you when you see that because I, I was talking about this to to Nick Pope and the experience I had recently. I'm going to talk about a friend's experience in a bit as well. Is literally I was doing. I don't know why I'd, I I've done, not done more of this. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go in the garden. It's it's a warm evening. I'm going to get the chair out, 
not ju- I haven't just got one chair. It may sound like I've just got one chair. I'm going to get a chair out, the rec- a reclining chair. I'm going to do some star bathing. It is the most beautiful thing to do anyway. And just look up and just look at the stars. And then I, I was there and I was looking up um, kind of between uh, Cygnus and Arcturus or Arcturus, however people want to say it. And there was this, it, it looked like a star shape, literally went across the sky for about seven seconds and then kind of faded into like disappeared and it it wasn't Mm -hmm. the iss it wasn't an airplane it wasn't anything like that and i was like whoa (laughs) that that sort of thing like exactly what you were saying about seeing this bright light in the sky Mm -hmm. it's unexplained and it does open your mind to think to yourself well hang on a minute (laughs) there isn't an explanation like that um, you've got to be pretty... Yeah. I mean, I've seen shooting stars before. They're very different, obviously. You've got to be quite quick to see a shooting star because it's gone. In, mm-hmm. in Yeah, but that's very different, isn't it? So I'm getting what you're saying is the point I'm making. Yeah, and and anytime something like that happens, I just I just feel like a little kid. You know, it's so exciting <laughs> to me. I want to see more of it. I'm like, what was that? I get so, <laughs> I get so excited. And another interesting story, I don't know if you've ever heard of East Seti Ranch out in Trout Lake, Washington. Yes, yes. You know about that place? Oh, we went there for an episode of Paranormal State. And to this day, I don't have any explanation for what we saw. And we had, it was really cool because we had this like satellite tracking system. We had one of our investigators looking at every time we saw something, we would confirm like, okay, there's nothing to the West. You know, there's no satellites. And of course there's probably satellites that maybe aren't recorded, but we would see these lights. I'm not joking. We would see a bright light go across the sky we had these high powered military flashlights and you would blink a light at it and it would literally like shine back at you. So bright. We were catching it clear as day on our cameras. And then this object would just kind of cruise really slowly, really slowly. And then it would just zoom off and disappear. And we saw this on like a nightly basis. Wow. And to me, I'm like, there has to, if this happens so frequently, there has to be some kind of explanation for it. Yes. But I don't know. There's there's this mount. You're camping out there at the base of Mount Adams, and it's just the most gorgeous place. But every night you see these things, and I don't know what they are. But it, it, if you ever get the chance to go there, it's a very exciting place. You just made my um, my star bathing in my garden in Hertfordshire, just north of London, sound rubbish. There's no, this mounting in the not. background, and if you ever get the chance, there's a massive lake, trout lake. It's the, it's the most stunning place. Unlike your garden. Thanks for that. I mean, <laughs> no, your garden, your garden is stunning. Whatever. It's stunning. Whatever. Okay. We've had the moment now. You've made me look this tiny. So we'll move on. So you're, have you, have you ever turned up somewhere and thought, nah, I'm not, I'm not going, I can't do that. See, mm. see, when I wrote that question, I thought, you know what, there must be somewhere. But having spoken to you now for what, half an hour, I think, I think you would find that more of a challenge. You'd be like, you know what? I'm feeling like I don't want to go in there, but that makes me want to do it more. You're right. I mean, uh, when it comes to UFO investigations, there's that factor of like, you have to look out for wild animals because you're literally a lot of times in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And that was one thing going into this, you know, because prior to uh, doing Alien Highway, I was really only on like one part Bigfoot, part UFO investigation. So it was kind of new to me. Mm. And I went into it and being like, oh my gosh, I have to watch out for like mountain lions, you know, in Colorado and and all this stuff. So that was kind of one thing that truly scared me. You know, I don't want to encounter a wild animal. I'd rather, I'd probably be better off just seeing an alien than a wild animal or something. (laughs) But uh, 
when it comes to haunted houses, you know, and early in my career, there were definitely some more serious cases, uh, a huge backstory with a lot of negative things happening where we'd go into these houses and you could feel that the energy was off. And there were a lot of times where I didn't feel comfortable, but you know, I just, I kept positive and pushed through it. But when you go into places like old penitentiaries and old asylums, there's definitely a totally different vibe to where you think about the people that suffered there, the people that died, committed suicide, and it kind of gets stuck in your head and you're just in the most creepy place, the most haunted area. And you're just a part of me is kind of like, I don't want to be in here, but I mean, I've been in some places alone where like grown men won't even go into. So I, I still have that, that bravery when it comes to this, but there are, there are some times where it's like, you go into a place and you just feel such a negative vibe that it's just like, I'm not going to spend too much time in here. And there you're referring to pretty much every episode of Alien Highway, where two grown men do not go in there. So quite frankly, I've seen it firsthand. So Heather's really not making that up. Listen, listen to this. So a friend of mine has experienced actual ghostly or spirit behaviour at her place she used to live at. It was, she said, a Viking. She had visions of this huge seven foot man. He'd be in her dreams and she'd feel like uncomfortable if she was in the bath and she felt as if he was watching her and she would have to replace a bulb on the landing area like really often because it would just blow for no reason. And then a new family moved in and they couldn't deal with it, so they left. He would make life so wow. difficult, This apparently this seven-foot guy. And I don't think she ever got anybody in to officially. So there's, there's an episode for you. <laughs> yeah, you're ever in the area, you can pop in and check it out. But yeah, that that's quite, you know, from a friend that um, that I believe her, that she's experienced right. that. That's really interesting and intriguing that, you know, you obviously got a situation going on there. Yeah, I don't I don't hear too many stories with concerning a Viking. But did she ever see it outside of her dreams or just strictly in her dreams? Uh, so she no, she saw it in her dreams, but the the whole feeling and the activity was there when she lived in that house. She knew there was a presence. She knew there was something there, but she had the visions of based on activity, maybe noises, etc., uh, of what size that she thought it was, and also the the new people that moved in described the same sort of size person without her even mentioning it. Wow, that's when you know it's legit when you can get mm. confirmation from like previous residents and and new people that move in. It was always interesting me, interesting to me on Paranormal State to do historical research on properties because you would find so many links with the activity and with whoever was haunting. That was always like the most fascinating thing to me. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. And I, I love the fact that you've also, you're kind of freaking yourself out a bit before you even go in there. You're kind of like, okay, so uh -huh. I know I know this was an old asylum now and I've got to put that, but it kind of, you're, you're so right. The perfect way to describe how you feel in your brain when you go in there, I haven't known you for long, obviously, is the thrill. And that comes from a kid. Mm -hmm. And you you know, you've just got that, which is uh, which is great. And without you, we wouldn't have the you, you going in on these programs. We'd have two guys standing outside and never know what was going on inside. <laughs> Quite, quite honestly. You're right. <laughs> um, now, you, you have a new TV project coming up soon, don't you? Tell me about that. So um, my best friend, Katrina Weidman, uh, we were on Paranormal State together. She's currently on Portals to Hell. We met in college and we've, you know, we joined the Paranormal Research Society at Penn State and went on this crazy TV adventure together and remained friends through all this time. And 
we've always just been like, you know, we need to do a project together because we work really well together. Mm. We're funny. We come from the same, you know, training background on this, on this subject. So we um, had an idea to do a series where we just go to a select few haunted locations, but each episode has like a different twist and we were going to release it on her YouTube page. We had to kind of delay our release um, due to some contract issues, um, but eventually we're going to release it. But we filmed about five episodes. Uh, we picked some really interesting locations and each episode kind of has like a little twist to it. And we actually caught some really great things. Um, and I, I think people will really enjoy it because a lot of people really liked us together on Paranormal State. We just have that, you know, that vibe, that fun vibe. So I think that uh, people will like it. It's, it's called it's going to be called Travel the Dead. That's what's going to ask you. Does it have a name yet? Some programs you don't come yeah. up with. Travel the Dead. So look out Travel for that. Do, do you know any, uh, are you allowed to say what network it might be going on yet? Um. So right now, so we did it all of our, all ourselves. We filmed it ourselves. Oh, um, brilliant. Okay. With one other girl. And, mm. you know, so a lot of stuff that you see, we filmed ourselves, did everything ourselves, uh, stayed up for days working on it. Um, so we, we just wanted to like release it ourselves and not really have to, you know, deal with the confusing network, you know, mm. with, there's a lot that goes into that. So we were just like, we've been doing this for so long. Let's do something ourselves. So, uh, eventually we're going to release it and, and start some new episodes. So I will let the public know when that happens. Sounds, uh, when you said you feeling it all yourself, it just sounds like a follow-up to the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I mean, that's just you know, that's so funny that you said that because that's what we were going for. That's yeah. one main thing. We're like, we want the Blair Witch vibes. That mm. That's like such a good film. When it that is, came it out, is. that was like so different. It, it was because of the unique use of where the camera was in mm-hmm. like, and in almost it adds to the tension of the situation rather than it kind of be all this picture perfect because quite frankly life isn't picture perfect like that all the time so when you get that different kind of film it's brilliant Mm -hmm. i love that yeah i remember i remember when that came out in 1999 there were all these news stories about people like puking in the theaters and getting sick and leaving and it's it's funny to watch it now um go back and, and think about you know 1999 when this came out it was a huge deal yeah yeah it was well look good luck with the new projects i'm sure it'd be brilliant um it's always great when you're working with people and and friends that um you've got that kind of rapport with because you can't you can't buy that and uh, yeah i'm really right. looking forward to to seeing that where that comes out so finally let's not forget to mention your band mannequin uh, how and when can people see you play? People are allowed to go and see people nowadays, which is which is brilliant. Remember those days we could go and see a band? It's come back. I know. Uh, and are you going to be streaming as well? Are you going to be able to to view on the internet? We're working. We're really trying to work on recording ourselves. Like we have a little studio set up and just to try to get our, our songs out there because we started the band over COVID. And interestingly enough, our drummer gave us all COVID. <laughs> so we, we were all sick. <laughs> it's you know, nice of him. January. There we go. Um, so yeah, we worked really hard and a lot of the songs have different feels to them. You know, when people ask me, what kind of music do you play? I mean, I say rock and roll because essentially it is rock and roll, but there's like a surf vibe to some of our songs. We have some parts in our songs that people would be like, that sounds like Black Sabbath or the Talking mm. Heads, which are huge influences to us. It kind of has like a Devo vibe a little bit. It's just, and every band I've ever been in, it's always just been a bunch of musical inspirations from like very different genres of music. And I like that. And that's why we named the band Mannequin because a mannequin's always 
changing its clothes and its style. And that's kind of how we are. So. <laughs> Brilliant. You can also follow Heather on Twitter. Is it classic Tad? I think so. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, ma- that makes me laugh because that describes you in a nutshell. Oh, classic. It does. Classic yeah. Tad. I did laugh <laughs> at that. Tad. You get to know you like really quickly with the way you do things. Um, check out Heather's website as well. It's just her name. It's really nicely made to your website. I love that. It's, Thank just, you. Again, it's great. It's kind of like, yeah, that's, kind of, that's her. That's what she does. There she is. It's so goofy, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really it's a really good idea. Yeah, so check out where, where she is and what she's up to. Keep up to date with what Heather's doing. And Heather Taddy, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. It was great. This was a great chat. You've been listening to Steve Reed Chats, Series 1, UFOs, the Paranormal and Beyond. Episode 2 with Heather Taddy. Episode 1 with Nick Pope, the former UFO investigator for the Ministry of Defence, is available for you to listen to right now. And if you subscribe and turn on your notifications, you'll always hear the latest episode first.